My name's Adam. Uh, I am the Connections Pastor here at Polaris. It's a blessing to be that. I love doing life and doing church with you guys. Um, if you're new, we are finishing up a series today called The Yacht Club. And just to catch you up on what The Yacht Club is, because it's only been three weeks long, so it's very likely you could have missed this whole series. But we, uh, Alex described this rescue society, a group of individuals that had boats that would go out and they would look for people who were lost at sea or shipwrecked, and they'd bring them in and rescue them. And over time, their passion for their purpose of rescuing people kind of dwindled, and they got tired of doing it. And so they lost their luster for going after those who were lost, and instead just decided to maybe just hang out as a social club, the Yacht Club. That's how it was formed. It was formed out of uh, the, the rescue society dwindling away. And it's a great analogy, I think, for the church today, because we are on mission to go out and help rescue people. We call ourselves Christ followers, and Christ had a very, very specific mission. And he says in Luke 19.10, he says, For the Son of Man, a name that he gave himself, came to seek and to save the lost. So the rescue society, it faltered. It was turned into the yacht club because they just lost enthusiasm for the mission. They forgot their purpose. And I want you to know that today there are still many people, particularly post-pandemic, looking for hope, looking for something to grab a hold of, looking to be saved, floating around on nothing. And you and I... And the stories of our lives, the transformation that Jesus has had in our lives is how we're going to reach them. They need the peace. They need the comfort. They might even need salvation, which we know only comes through Jesus. And it's available to everybody, but who's going to tell them? Who's going to tell them about it? Paul says this in his letter to the Romans, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How, then, can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? In case we've lost sight of the mission today, I want you to know, whether you're a preacher or a teacher or ordained, you're sent. You don't have to have a degree you just have to be somebody who was formally rescued. And so today, I want to share some stories from Scripture. And we're going to talk about this word evangelism. It's a big word defined as this. The spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness. And so more easily put, evangelism is just sharing your Jesus story. Telling somebody your Jesus story. And we all love a good story. Everybody loves a good story. I recently watched this movie. Spoiler alert. If you have not seen Unbroken, I'm going to spoil it for you here. But I just watched this movie, and it's about this, this man, Louis Zamperini. And he was the son of an Italian immigrant family. He was a juvenile delinquent with no purpose in life. 
he was spurred on by his older brother to find something to get into, and he became this track star who went on to represent the United States in the Olympics. Then he was drafted for World War II, and while out on a mission over the Pacific Ocean, his plane went down, and he spent nearly 50 days adrift at sea with a couple of his surviving friends. It's an incredible story. And the good news is he was rescued, but the bad news is it was by the enemy. The Japanese found them. And so after being rescued, he spent the remainder of the war as a prisoner of war. Again, spoiler alert, he makes it, okay? He survives, he gets back, and he gives all the credit to God and to his faith for sustaining him through that process. He even goes on to forgive his former captors. It really is a remarkable story. And I think there had to be a lot more survivors, right? But their stories were never told. And I think the church world can relate to that. I think there are some who tell their story all the time. Others may celebrate their salvation or their Jesus story privately more so than publicly. But it's really a shame when we do that because somebody needs to hear your story. Somebody finds themselves adrift right now where you used to be and they're waiting to hear your Jesus story. So today I want to share a few of my favorite Jesus stories from Scripture. So if you would all grab a Bible under the seat in front of you. We're going to dance around in the book of John today, the Gospel of John, and we're going to start on page 1088, which is actually John chapter 20. So I'm going to start at the end. I'm going to Quentin Tarantino this thing. We're going to start at the end, then we're going to go to the front, and I'm going to fill in some things. In between, we're going to paint a really good story. But you might be sitting there thinking, why in the world would I tell anybody my story? It's really not that relevant. Sure, Jesus did something for me. But look what John says, the reason he wrote his gospel for. Again, on page 1088, John chapter 20, we're going to start in verse 30. It says this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. John is this incredible book of the Bible where we get a really intimate view of Jesus' adult ministry. Half of the book is written just telling the story about all the miracles and uh, the, the uprising that Jesus caused as he walked the earth. And then the second half of it is about his crucifixion and his resurrection. It's a really inspiring book. There's only 21 chapters, so if you need something to be grateful for for Thanksgiving this year... If you start tomorrow, in three weeks, you'll have finished the book of John and you'll know all about Jesus' life. And when you're eating your turkey, you can really thank him for what he's done. I want to share a couple stories from this book of John with you today where I hope we can draw some relevance from them. Maybe we can relate a little bit in our scenario. And hopefully we'll walk away today with a little bit more boldness to share our story with other people in our circle. Because the only thing you can take to heaven with you are your loved ones. And the only way that they're going to get there is if you tell them about Jesus. So we're going to go back a few pages, back to uh, page 1065. We're going to start in John chapter 4. And here we find this 
personal encounter that Jesus has with a Samaritan woman at a well. And the first thing you need to know about this story is Jesus went out of his way to meet this woman. He didn't have to walk that way to get to where he was going. He took the long way. And he intentionally met with this woman who was there at the middle of the day because she was not welcome to be a part of the rest of the society that she was living in. She was an outcast. And so she finds herself a Samaritan woman with Jesus, this Jewish man. The two cultures did not like one another. And he starts the interaction like he does with all of us by asking her a question. And he says, will you draw me some water? Now, you and I, Jesus probably didn't say, hey, Adam, or hey, you, can you draw me some water? That probably wasn't the first question he asked you, but maybe he asked you to believe. And like the Samaritan woman, maybe you started lobbing out all these excuses, like why he shouldn't even be here. Jesus, you don't want anything to do with me. Why would you even come here? Who am I to be serving you? And who are you to even be asking anything of me? And so they go through this dialogue, and the woman is hiding something, so she thinks. She's been outcast. She's been married five times. She's living with a man who's not her husband. And back then, that would be a big, big deal. But before she mentions a word about that, Jesus says, I know about it. So I want you to know today, no matter where you're at in your journey, Jesus knows. So you can bring it to him. He already knows of your inadequacies. He knows of the things that you're embarrassed about, the shameful parts of your life, the shameful parts of your story. He already knows. So you could tell him, and you could sit with him, and you can listen to him. And she's so inspired by this guy's knowledge and how loving he is and how inviting he is that she drops everything and runs into town to tell everybody, let's look here in verse 29 and 30. She drops her buckets of water and she runs and she says, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Jesus is way too good to keep to yourself. The transformation that he brings in your life, the salvation that he offers, and the comfort and peace should cause you to drop everything and tell everybody you know about him. Everybody needs him. And here's what I love about that little piece of scripture. It's not that the lady came running into town and became this great preacher and told everybody exactly who Jesus was. She said, could it be the Messiah? She was still questioning who it was. She didn't really know how it worked, but this guy had something. And her enthusiasm and her energy around the experience she just had caused the entire town to move towards him. They made their way toward him, and that's the best that we can do here on earth. We can't convince somebody to accept Jesus, but we can live a life and lead people in a way that causes them to make their way closer to him. I pray that Polaris Church is one that reaches into Brunswick and Medina and Hinckley and Strongsville and Valley City and all the surrounding communities telling everybody how good Jesus has been in our lives, how good he is at our church, what he's doing in our community. And I pray that it draws them to come closer toward Jesus. Come see a man 
Come see Jesus. Come see what he's doing in the lives of the people at Polaris. So we should be telling people our story with enthusiasm, with excitement. But in John chapter 5, we see that there's a different encounter that Jesus has with another man who, again, he goes out of his way for. Jesus went out of his way for you and I today, by the way. He left the riches of heaven, the glory, the majesty of heaven, and he came to earth humbly and obediently to die a vicious death so that you and I could be rescued, so that we could be saved. In John chapter 5, we get another Jesus story. An incredible moment of healing, undeserved attention, and this transformation of life. And we find this man who, for 38 years, sat outside the city gates, near a pool, looking for healing. 38 years. This summer I spent 10 weeks in a boot, and it was miserable. This guy sat on the same mat, paralyzed, without help, without any attention, without any comfort, without any hope, for 38 years until Jesus came. But what did Jesus do? He asked him a question. Again, he, he starts by inviting you into a conversation. And so Jesus sees this man who had been paralyzed for so long, and he says this, do you want to get well? That's a ridiculous question, Jesus. I'm going to take it from here. I just want to tell Jesus how silly of a question that is. If you were laying on the ground for 38 years, of course. Why would you not want to get well? Like, are you kidding me? Aren't you supposed to know everything, God? Of course I want to get well. But he asked him, do you want to get well? Because Jesus asks us to respond. He doesn't force himself on us. He wants a response from us. And I'm so grateful that Jesus isn't deterred easily in interacting with you and I. You see, just like the woman at the well, this man began, understandably, to kind of lob some excuses. I've been stuck here for so long. I don't have anybody to help me get into the pool. Nobody cares for me. And sometimes we can sit and wallow in our circumstance for so long that we just become hopeless, even if somebody asks if we want to be well. Jesus was undeterred. He says to the man in John 5, 8, he says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And the man did. After 38 years, he was able to stand to pick up his mat and begin to walk. And in Christianity, that's what Jesus calls us to. He says, come on, get up. Get out of the pit. Get out of the circumstances that you've just become accustomed to. Get up. Pick up your mat, though. That place that you were stuck, grab hold of it and carry it with you. Now, he did this on a Sabbath day, which was a no-no. Again, breaking rules. Jesus was breaking rules again. But I believe he does it to show us that we're worth breaking rules for, that the relationship that he wants with you and I is greater than any rules or religions that you can follow. And so he says, get up, pick up that place that you were once stuck and carry it around because people are going to notice. People are going to notice your mat. Where have you been stuck in your life before? 
What are some places that you found yourself in that Jesus rescued you from? Pick it up. Carry it with you as you walk with him day by day. People are going to look and say, how could you have been stuck on something like that but still walk with Jesus? It's a testimony to his mercy, his goodness, and his grace. It's a visual that people need. Let your scars and the pain of your past be a reminder to those who are there currently that they're worth it, and Jesus will meet them. Do they want to get well? Let's introduce them to the one we know can make it happen. All right, lastly, John chapter 9. Let's, let's turn over a couple pages to John chapter 9. And this is my favorite. This is my favorite Jesus story. Because one of the hardest things about sharing your testimony is like, I don't, I don't really know how it works, right? Like Jesus, is, like he wants a relationship with me. I don't know why. Um, I don't know all the theology. I don't know all the scriptures. I don't know all the prayers. I don't know all the songs. I don't do all the things. But this dude just drops the mic, and I love this guy. You see, this guy was found born blind, blind from birth. And as you're reading scripture, there's deeper meaning. And, and you and I actually were blind when we were born spiritually. We were born spiritually, spiritually blind. And this leads the disciples to question Jesus about the sin that was in this man's life. You see, back then, uh, disease or disability, it was associated with sin. And so they asked Jesus, who sinned that this man would be blind from birth? Was it him or was it his parents? You know, we're always looking for, like, the, the why. Why would that happen? How come? How could God let something like that happen? But Jesus always rises above our ability to understand, and he says it's so that God can get glory from this situation. So like this man, you and I, born spiritually blind, we get this opportunity to meet Jesus. And so Jesus bends down and he scoops up some mud and he spits on it. Now this was before COVID, so he was allowed to do that. He spits on the mud and he rubs it around and he puts it on this guy's eyes. And I want you to check this verse out here. John 9, 6 through 7. It says, uh, after this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. It says this word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. You see, this man was sent before he had even gotten his miracle. Before he had even gotten his healing, Jesus sent him. You and I are sent today to tell people about Jesus. And we need to be obedient. Because without the obedience of the man going to the pool, the healing may not take place. We're all sent. And this guy, imagine being blind your whole life. And just one day, you start to see. You get colors. You see the trees, the leaves changing. I don't know if they changed back there in Jerusalem or not, but you see all the brown dirt everywhere. But it's the most beautiful brown dirt you've ever seen. And you see people, and you see what your parents look like, and you see what your friends look like, and you see dogs and horses and all of these things that you and I probably take for granted. And he's excited. He's dancing. 
He's in shock. He can't believe it. He could finally see. And people see him seeing. They're like, wait a minute. Wasn't that the guy? He was always outside over there. He was blind, right? He's always been blind. Where's his parents at? Wasn't he really blind? Who healed this man? Because it was the Sabbath again. Jesus breaking rules. Who healed this guy on the Sabbath? And they started grilling this guy. And that's how Christianity can feel. And sometimes we kind of shy away. We don't want to share our story because people are going to start asking questions about this guy. People are going to start asking me questions that I don't really know the answer to about Jesus. So I don't really want to share that much. And this guy's getting grilled. And finally, he says to them this. They say, is Jesus a sinner? Is he the one that healed you on the Sabbath? And this is what he says in the sweetest testimony of Jesus Christ in John chapter 9, verse 25. I don't know. One thing I do know is I was blind, but now I see. I don't know who Jesus is, what he does, but man, he made a difference in my life. I used to be that way, not since I met him. Now I'm this way. And so I want to tell you, it doesn't matter if you have a theology degree. Don't worry about being able to explain Jesus away or rationalize who he is to somebody. Just tell him what he's done for you. Lead with your weakness. Lead with the place you were stuck. Pick up your mat. Show everybody that and start there. Lead with your weakness because that's where the power of Christ comes in to all of our stories. Paul says this, that the power of your Jesus story is magnified in your weakness. And in this moment of admission to the Corinthian church, Paul is telling them about this thorn in his side. He's like almost perfect. I'm almost there, but there's this character defect. There's this thing that's lingering behind. There's this weakness. There's this inadequacy that I can't quite shake and I'm begging God to, to get rid of it so I can tell people about how good he is. But God would refuse to remove the thorn from Paul's side. He says this, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Man, in this social media, Instagram, TikTok, you don't see a lot of people putting their dirty laundry out there. You don't see a lot of people telling you about the past, the thorn in their side, the weakness that they carry around with them. But that's where the power of Christ rests in your testimony. Tell someone who you used to be and then show them that you're not that anymore and then give credit to Jesus Christ. Like the woman at the well, your enthusiasm about the transformation, it's going to draw people to Jesus naturally. You won't have to corral them. You don't have to wrangle them up. The scars, those reminders from the past, people are going to ask you about those, and they're going to be a testimony to what Jesus has done in your life. Don't let being unfamiliar with church or with Scripture or with the things that you're supposed to know stop you from sharing your story because it's your story that someone else is going to relate to. A little over seven years ago, I took my last drink of alcohol. Now, maybe you can't relate with that. 
And that's okay. That's why your story matters too. But this is my story. I took my last drink of alcohol because I almost threw away my family. I almost gave it all away. But God has completely restored me. Through that process early on, I was given an opportunity to share something at a church. It later went on to become a book that was published. And I want to just take a a snippet of that book and read it to you because I was once where you are scared of telling my story because I was comparing my story with others. And in the book Godward, I call it Godward because serving God is awkward a lot of times. But if you put him first, you could do it. Towards the end of I write, I may not be the wisest leader in church history. I think Alex would agree. I may never end up being as holy and inspirational as my grandfather, the pastor of a Baptist church I grew up in. However, I am God's child, and he has a purpose for me. I am alive. I am relatable. I have a story. And I believe he wants me to share that passion and story with people. I will boast in my weakness to showcase God's strength, just as he says in the Bible. So if you'll bear with me for just a second, I want to tell you my story in three minutes. This is called, Can He Borrow Your Pen? For me, it would start with a beer. I would party well into the night. I'd have a few shots and maybe get in a fight. I'd fight through the hangover. I'd fight for my life. I'd fight with my friends, and I would fight with my wife. Then my dad urged, you know, go to church, but get involved. So I went to church, and here's where my story evolved. I put down the booze, no more drinking for me, but I started to get bored, so I thought, what could I do in ministry? The church that I was at was looking for leaders. Their community group started in the fall. I thought to myself, hmm, I wonder if any of these dudes watch football. So here you go, God. This effort's for you. I don't know how it's going to work, but I kind of believe that you do. I started watching games with guys the first game of the season. Go, Buckeyes, go. And then our family started hanging out, even that New Year's Eve. Whoa. I was five months into sobriety, and I wanted desperately for this feeling to last. The pastor spoke on a series called Noise, and then I took part in my first fast. I thought, how is this working? God's talking to me. He wants me to boast about my weaknesses. He wants me to be free. You see, I learned that We all have trouble, and our problems, they can drive us bonkers. But I've also learned to hang out daily with a God who solves and conquers. You see, leading a community group had become quite a passion. We even made T-shirts. Talk about high fashion, right? We were just a group of guys, and we were biblically ignorant, to say the least. But we were chasing after a loving God. That dude is quite a beast. You see, he took this shell of a man who liked to party and drink, and he turned him into a humble volunteer with a desire to pray and think. And my hope and prayer remains that I continue to be curious, that I'll turn quick to forgiveness instead of becoming furious. I pray for power, I pray for peace, and I pray that my will to pray will never cease. To ask him what my role is for any given day, that his plans become mine, That's how I've began to pray. You see, this is my story, but I didn't have to write it. The author gave me a fire, and serving in church helped to ignite it. And you too have a story. So if it's starting to become a bore, 
Just hand the pen back to the author, for he has so much more in store. Here's some takeaways for you, just in case you don't like poetry or have an addiction to drinking. Some practical application. The band can come. First, I want you to remember where you were when God found you. Remember the loneliness, the hurt, the shame, the misery. Where were you? Remember where you were. Don't go back and live it out. Don't go back and live it out. But remember how far away you were from shore. Secondly, I want you to write it down. You don't have to publish this thing, okay, because it's not lucrative. I haven't sold a whole bunch of books, all right? I'm still... Thanks, Herb. (laughs) See, you you shared your laughter and everybody joined in, man. Share your... Write it down. Write it down because it's going to cause you to remember what Jesus has done for you. And it'll help you articulate what Jesus has done for you. It might even restore a sense of gratitude and help light a fire under you to continue to serve. And then last but not least, share it. Share it with others. Share it because my story doesn't relate to everybody's. But everybody can reach somebody. And your story is being lived out right now by somebody who was, is where you were. And without hearing your story, they may never get to meet Jesus. Share your story. Someone is desperately adrift and needs to hear it. 